Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of the call in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hello, welcome to the call. Between now and 1pm Eastern, we take a look at uh, 10 stocks that you've suggested. I'll put it to two of our experts uh, for their adjudication. It is fast, it's furious, it's always informative, and it's great to have your company for this hour every weekday here on Ausbiz Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Um, our panel today... Always have a lot to talk about. Carl Kapalinga from uh, Think Markets over there in uh, WA. Carl gearing up for the grand final, which sadly neither of our teams will be playing. <laughs> Bugger. <laughs> yeah, good afternoon. Gosh, yes. Uh, my wife managed to hit up some Melbourne friends, uh, Bulldogs fans, for some tickets. So we. Uh, we, oh, we do have a few of those, so we'll, we'll get to well go and done. catch it at Optus for a yeah, one-off, uh, yeah, one-off should experience. Be a, should, should be a be great good. spectacle between the doggies and the demons. Jason McIntosh from uh, Motion Trader joins us as well. Jason, how are you, sir? Have you had a good week? Crossy. I'm good. I'm good. All ready to go. Got a few good stocks to talk about today. Excellent. We do. We've got a great list. Speaking of which, let's get stuck straight into it because we often run out of time here on the call. We've got so much to talk about. I always choose the stock of the day. I thought we'd take a look at Telstra, the communications giant. For a long time, has been an absolute dud for investors. Decades as it's tried to re-engineer from monopoly business to taking on competition and then the digitalization of the world and data and how do you re-engineer your business and your cost base for a brave new world. Um, over the last year or so, it's become a market darling. It had its investor day going at the moment, and this morning came out forecasting mid-single-digit underlying earnings growth through to 2025. Uh, the Telstra board saying it will focus on maximising the company's fully frank dividend, adding it will seek to grow the payout over time. Looking ahead, uh, Telstra says it's optimistic the uh, uh, split of Infraco, Servco and Telstra International will be finalised by the end of calendar 2022. The 5G rollout aiming to extend coverage to 95% of the country by the end of 2025 and cut $500 million in net costs. Um, wow. Uh, Carl, what, have you, what do you think of the announcements? And, you know, Telstra over the last year or so has come back into favour with investors. Um, Andy Penn 
and his uh, four-year re-engineering program seems to be getting a bit of traction. Yeah, look, hey, look, we love a, a company. We love a man management team with a plan, isn't it? And uh, to be fair, Telstra Management's always had a plan, haven't they, Koshi? They just haven't been able to execute always on that plan. So, But, uh, hey, what a wonderful set of, uh, of bullet points that we've got out of this one, don't we? So $500 million worth of cost savings. We've got uh, predicting and forecasting, you know, significant uplifting growth to mid-single digits, mind you. That's just blowing, <laughs> knocking my socks off. But, hey, it's pretty good for Telstra, given that, you know, we've had really you know, a structural decline in, in their business uh, for many, many years. So uh, it's it's like a little investing angel taking a tinkle in year, Koshi. Everything they said was magic. Uh, we, we, we'd, the only, if there was a downside, it was the delaying of um, the spin-off of those infrastructure assets uh, into into probably next year. But otherwise, you know, it's all good news. And as you say, uh, you know, the, the investors have responded very positively uh, to Telstra. Uh, it, it was only just literally October last year, it was down in the doldrums, uh, but the run since then has been, has been fantastic. And look, I would say for investors, stick with that run, stick with with Telstra. There's nothing in the charts to suggest to me that that run can't continue. In fact, if I really zoom out and have a look at the longer term weekly charts, we're in the midst of this um, this quite a well-defined double bottom pattern and probably many people have heard of that pattern but generally you know you come down uh, things aren't going so well uh, you, you know the management tries to make a change we get a bit of a bounce and then you get a retest of that low and instead of breaking through that low because you know, there, there, there aren't true believers uh, and there's not enough demand of the system to prevent that low breaking. In fact, we get increased demand. So people are starting to change their views on it. And that low comes in higher than the last one. And we've come up, we've taken up sort of the midpoint. So if you think of peaks and troughs, uh, in between those two troughs, there's got to be a, a peak in between them. There has to be. And we've taken out that peak. So that's the key technical level. Um, it's it's around, obviously, that four, $384 level. And I, look, looking at this weekly chart, there's nothing really that's holding this down into five. And really, then we get into those 2014-15 highs around six bucks. So I'm, I'm, I'm a happy holder at this stage. We've, we've had a buy on it for a while and we're happy to hold it. And okay. Buy. All right. So uh, still a buy on it? Okay. Yes. Uh, Jason, what do you think of Telstra? Yeah, yeah, interesting, isn't it? So we, um, I was on with you, I think it was about a month ago now, we had Andy Penn on the same day. Yep. And we were talking all about T22 and what a, what a great success it had been. How Like that was all about how they were going to simplify the business, simplify their product range, you know, reduce costs. And, uh, and, and management said at, at that time, well, Andy said at that time, well, look, we've done, we've, completed or were on schedule to complete 80% of that T22 program. And uh, and that was, you know, was talking about what a great achievement that was. And now they've come out and they've got T25. So we've got a new, a new, a new plan on the, on the deck. And, uh, you know, when you're on a winning, winning thing, keep it going. That's and right. uh, so T25 is now all about building on that success and moving the company into a growth phase. And, uh, I think the success of T22 gives management a lot of credibility to sort of like, you know, roll this out and say, hey, this is what we're going to do. So people, you know, say, well, look, OK, they've got some runs on the board. And uh, I think a big focus is going to be the, the rollout of this um, 5G network and the, you know, the ongoing digitisation in, uh, you know, in society at large. And for me, the key focus now is, um, like we spoke about $4, like we spoke about $4 as being a key resistance point. And we looked at a weekly chart and you could see that that $4 over the last, you know, over the last couple of decades, really, it's been a pivot point. So sometimes the market hits $4 and bounces off in the other direction and it actually changes course. Other times it gets to $4, it pauses, and then it goes through. 
So what we're seeing now, we, we did pause. We actually did pause for the last last month around $4. We've churned around just beneath it around $3.80 to $4. Now we're having to having another crack at it with this um, strategy day coming out and you know, the T25 and such. So I still think we're going to break through $4. I'd like to see, you know, see the market close up, you know, at around like you know $4.5, $4.10 to really sort of say, hey, look, we've, we've gone through. But I still think it's going to happen. It seems to be happening now. So if you're on Telstra, stay with it. Stay with the trend. The trend's up. And if you're not on board, you know, if we do nudge up above $4, well, maybe that's a trigger to, you know, take a position and uh, and get some. Okay. So we're at 4.01 at the moment. So do you start taking a position? Oh, look, they don't, you know, these levels don't work with pinpoint accuracy. You've got to give them, you know, a bit of... You know, a bit of margin for error. That's why I say sort of closing around maybe $4.05, $4.10. It's uh, like when you look at things on a weekly chart, you can't be like, you know, splitting right. hairs too, too finely. So look, a close at, let's say close at $4.05. If you don't have it, say, hey, look, we've closed at a new multi-year high. Um, it's time to get on board. Okay. Well, what do I put you down for, Jason? A buyer, <laughs> a hold, or a... Oh, oh of course, of course. No, well, I, was a, I was a buy. I was a buy four weeks ago. And uh, I'm still a buy now. Okay, excellent. I had to pin you down on that because Telstra is in the calls fantasy portfolio. So if you said no, don't get into it, we'd take it out again. So, all right, we've cleared that one up. We've been in four weeks. All right, okay. Uh, Jason, Michael wants a view on GWR Group. Um, Michael says prices are down with iron ore prices after a good run up. Yep, they're down about 50% in the last uh, two or three months. Uh, they've spun off their gold division, been mining their low-grade um, iron ore while the iron ore price was high. Volume to port is growing. Does the team think the business model and the board have the right plan and path to shareholder utopia? <laughs> Love your turn of phrase, Michael. Uh, or is the share price more likely to plunge into a long ice age? It's, uh, Michael's very poetic, I think, Jason, is he? <laughs> Got away with words, doesn't he? It's um, look, look off off the bat. This is this is a no for me. It's uh, look one of my cardinal rules is to yeah, it's to invest with the trend and the trend in this stock at the moment is it's clearly down. And I know that if I make a habit of stepping up and buying stocks that are falling, that you know I may get may get a few right, but over time more are going to run over the top of me and just cause you know just cause a loss of capital. So, you know, at the moment, it's a, it's a no. But look, that, that said, there are a few interesting points with this one, just to, just to quickly note. There's support on the, on the charts at around 15 cents. The market's pretty close to that around now. Volume had been really drying up over the last, last couple of weeks. Only 50,000 shares went through on Tuesday. But just in the last couple of days, it's fallen a couple of cents and the volume's really picked up. So I, I I just wonder whether whether maybe there's some capitulation selling perhaps coming through. Because this, this stock's down... I think it's down 65% in the last two weeks. So there are going to be some people who have bought not long ago who are really hurting and just maybe saying, look, I'm throwing in the towel, I'm getting out. So, you know, that's that's interesting to watch. Um, and it's uh, also, it's interesting to look at the iron ore price. So the iron ore price is down around 46% the last two months. So it all sounds, all sounds very drastic when you say it like that. But then when you step back and you look at a weekly chart, you go back to say 2017 and then again 2019, 
And the market quickly quickly fell 40% on both those occasions as well, not dissimilar to what we're seeing now. Then it stabilised and then started to gradually gradually uh, rebound and, and recover. So I think the market's really stretched on the downside over the last over the last couple of months. I I'm not into calling calling the low on things because markets you know can travel a lot further than anyone ever thinks you know possible. But look, I wouldn't want to be getting overly bearish now. So wouldn't step into buy a stock, buy an iron ore, iron ore miner now. But I wouldn't be like. You know, Throwing in the towel on them now. If I was if I was holding them, this could be the point where we do start to find some support. Oh, um, just looking at the company, it's just looking at the company itself. It's got a market cap of 53 million, 24 million dollars in the bank. They got 10, a 10 million dollar holding in another company, so they seem to be well capitalised. Their their costs are just below what the the current sort of spot price for iron ore is. So look, there, there could actually be a medium term story here, but look, it's just not a story for today. At the right. moment, if you're not in. You don't want to be in. You just got to okay. stay in the sidelines and and wait and watch, see what happens. Carl GWR. Yeah, look, um, Jason hit the nail on the head with that last point, saying that their costs are roughly where the price of iron ore is right now. Look, they're actually still making a little bit of money, but this is a marginal producer, so it's it's nothing like your BHPs and your Rios who are producing around you know US twenty dollars a ton. These guys are producing at closer to closer to a hundred dollars a ton, and wow. the spot price now is is around about one hundred and twenty five dollars a ton. Uh, now, when things were going gangbusters and the iron ore price was up or over two hundred, that's when they were making money hand over fist. Some great cash flows coming to the business, and as Jason said, they've got about twenty three million dollars in the bank. Now we're at the point where. We're still making a little bit of money, but we're close to break even. But then where does the iron ore price go from here? And that's what investors are reacting to in that chart. So with that uncertainty, with the uncertainty in the iron ore price in general, and I'm looking at the iron ore price uh, right now, just on my, my screen on the right hand side here, and I can't see any signs of a bounce just yet. Not to say there won't be, but it just doesn't look yeah. like we're going to see a bounce. There is a key, key support zone around that $120 US a tonne. Fingers crossed. I'm hoping for the sake of uh, my home state here in WA, Koshi, and the entire nation of Australia that it holds. Uh, and, and we don't see it slip lower than that. But if it does, um, GWI yep. is going to be in big, big trouble. So it's a, it's a no for me on the basis of um, you know yep. that that risk. And the chart is heading in the wrong direction. And Carl, what Carl's referring to is iron ore is our biggest exporter. Governments make so much tax revenue out of it. It's sort of all might for the federal government become its slush fund because in the budget figures, it assumes $55 a ton. Um, in terms of our exports, it's 120, 130 at the moment. Well, it's 230, uh, 260 back in April. So that's why they had the money to splash for the economic stimulus. It was all the uh, iron ore tax revenue and uh, WA's. Um, five billion dollar budget surplus last week uh, was based on eleven billion dollars of iron ore tax revenue. It's massive. Even when it's come down, Carl, what Fortescue can dig it out of the ground at twenty dollars a ton or something like that. So no, that's correct. It's still yeah, a pretty correct. healthy margin that I wouldn't mind yep. in my business. Yeah. Now, now, look, you know, Fortescue, BHP, Rio, they're still going to make money hand over fist, but it's your marginal producers like yes, this one that are going to struggle. Exactly. And that's the point with GWR. Um, Carl, Kyle wants a view on Brambles, the uh, the big transport logistics group. Um, out this week, flag, flagging a miss on guidance. Um, uh, yesterday anticipates uh, next financial year revenue to grow between 5 and 6%, underlying profit increase only one to two percent. 
uh, some broker moves, um, a, a, a number of uh, the brokers cutting their price targets over the last uh, day or so. What do you think of Brambles? Yeah, look, look, unfortunately, it was going really well on the chart before that announcement. Yeah. And the announcement is uh, tantamount to a profit downgrade because they're effectively saying we're expecting uh, some more costs to come through the business where it's almost restructured, really, in terms of uh, how they, they you know, we want to change wooden pallets into plastic pallets so they, they last longer, but also, um, you know, supply chain logistics. And um, there's, a, there's a big shortage of lumber in the US at the moment. That's that's hurting them. So there's there's other costs coming to the business. When, there are, when we've got higher costs and you know revenues are only expected to be X, then net profits are going to be uh, going to be lower as a result. Uh, and we have seen the share price fall. Uh, in response to that, looking for, looking forwards, um, you know this great investment they're going to have in their in their supply chain and their and their product, which is ultimately a wooden pallet, hopefully becoming a plastic pallet, will pay off uh, down the track. But it could be many many years, and when you start to talk many years down the track, you've got all this execution risk uh, in the meantime, and what could what could go wrong? And that's what the market's responding to. So uh, I don't think it's the worst company in the world. I don't think it's um, you know particularly expensive or cheap, it's kind of fairly valued around current prices. And given that big drop in the chart and a complete lack of a, a bounce at this stage, I would have to say avoid. If you've got it, uh, I'm pretty close to, in fact, you know, I'm going to say if you've got it, you probably, let's go find something else uh, more interesting than Brambles. If you don't have it, it's an avoid. Okay. Jason, Brambles? Yeah, yeah. I'm with, I'm with Carl on this one. It's, uh, so Tuesday was a, was a high volume down day. And like these are events that you just don't want to step in front of and say, hey, look, I'll, I'll buy. And I think the odds are that, that Bramble is probably going to fall further over the next, next um, uh, in the days and, and weeks ahead. And BHP had something similar a, a few weeks ago. It, it, also, it also had a, a high volume down day when its uh, results came out. And then the, you, know, you get the, the downgrades that follow and the price continues to move lower. So I think that's the sort of thing we could see with with brambles, you know, that continued downward momentum. And um, look, it's uh, it, it's interesting because also like BHP, brambles sell off is all around um, a, manage, a management's transformational sort of strategy. And uh, so what brambles are doing, it's all about investing heavily to, to digitize and, and, and monetize their operations. And, and this is a big investment. We're talking hundreds of millions of dollars over the next, over the next few years. And uh, so look, you know, Whilst all this, un, you know, this unraveling the share price is going on, I think it's best just to, to sort of stay out of it. It's, uh, yep. it's interesting. One of the things uh, the CEO, he, CEO said, he said that you know, in the past, Brambles has been too focused on short-term short -term outcomes. And, uh, and I think this is a criticism we make of a lot of, lot of um, you know, companies and uh, you know, maybe fund managers, even governments. And we say, look, they're, they're too short-term focused. They've got to, be, they've got to look long-term. So Brambles... They've gone out and they've looked long term and the market's punished them. So it's like, you know, we, we like long term plans, but we still yeah. want short term results. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's a tough, you know, it's, a, you know, it's a tough sort of, um, um, you know, balance to sort of sort of walk. Yep. So but look, for now, I think it's it's got to be I'm not going to argue with the market's decision to, to sell it off. So I'll um, I'll stand back and we'll see how the dust settles in, 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 okay. in the months ahead. All right. Vince, uh, Jason wants a view on Paladin Energy, the uranium production an exploration company, projects in Australia, Canada, Africa. Uh, it's got a flagship project in Namibia. If only we'd been talking about this a month ago. It's, um, yeah, look, this is, 
uranium, I think, is a great story. And, and just, just talk briefly about re- uranium first before getting you know, focused on Paladin. It's, um, I was talking with Scuddy about this back in, back in December, and uh, like uranium has been the bad guy in the block for decades. And you know, when you mention uranium, people think either, you know, either, either weapons or, or accidents like Chernobyl and, and Fukushima. But the reality is that it's actually one of the, the, the safest and cleanest and most reliable forms of, of energy that we, we have. And, uh, and I think if um, we're going to achieve these goals of, um, you know, climate goals over the next few decades, a lot, a lot could come down to the, you know, bringing uranium into the mix as, a, as an energy source. And, uh, you know, but the big thing with uranium is that so, so demand's forecast to rise but the supply currently isn't there to, to cover that cover that demand. And so you need new mines to come online and fill the gap. But the, the problem is that with the, you know, uranium has been in this multi-deck, or been in a slump for the last 15 years. So there hasn't been the incentive for the miners to go out to develop and explore and, and build these mines because yeah. half of them have been unprofitable. Cool. And, uh, you know, look, there's something like 54 nuclear reactors under construction in the world. There's another 450 in the, you know, in the planning and, 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 um, and you know, the pipeline stage of, you know, considering bringing them on. And uh, so there's this great demand story, but there's not the supply. So, um, look, just a, a quick picture of uranium. It went from $10 an ounce or $10 a pound to $140 a pound in the last, in the last cycle. So it's it can move it can one of these commodities can really move a lot when it gets going, mm-hmm. and currently at forty five dollars a pound it's up quite a bit in the last the last few weeks and it's only a small industry, and this is a thing. So if you get a lot of money a lot of investment dollars starting to flow into the uranium space generally, there's there's not a lot you can buy so it can really move the price quite a lot and quite quickly. Okay. So like the the largest two uranium miners in the world. They're the size of something like an Amcor or a Santos, so they barely make the ASX 50, and uh, and then it tails off really quickly. So there's not not a lot out there for for a lot of investment dollars mm. to chase, and so Paladin, so they they mothballed their mine a few years ago because of the low prices, and now bringing it back online. They've got a mine in Namibia, and uh, they've also got these exploration potential elsewhere. So it's it's um it's I think it's probably the the pick of the Australian listed listed um, uranium plays like BHP produce a lot of uranium but you know the pure plays you get down to the Paladin and then you got a whole lot of like you know okay. just explorers and it's, a, you know, it's had a big things. run up bit over a dollar yeah so this is this is this is the difficulty now for somebody wanting to come on board because it's doubled in the last three weeks and you know chasing these stocks high you've if, look to buy Paladin now you've got to be prepared for some downside volatility if and when the the oh, probably when the price has a has a pullback it could be quite quite a steep pullback uh, but then you look maybe two to three years out and you could look at one dollar as being really cheap because this stock has been to ten dollars in the last in the last last boom so it's um look the way i'm playing this i've got a i've got a um, uranium etf listed in the us it's called the north shore global uranium fund kicker code urnm Paladins within that, and I, I find that for myself a better way to play it because you know it's such yeah. a such a small industry and it's hard to find the right okay. the right plays. And if you're not a you know uranium geologist and specialist, it's hard to pick some of these smaller ones what their actual worth is. Okay. With Paladin for the Osbiz portfolio, I'd love the Osbiz portfolio to have some uranium exposure, 
So you know, I'd I'd um I'd shut my t- shut my eyes and grip my teeth and I'd buy it at a dollar <laughs> okay. if I had no exposure and I wanted right. to get some exposure because it could be a big story, but All it's right. um yeah you got you got to strap in got to put All the seatbelt right, on at a yep. dollar. We'll put it as a buy. Carl, be, um, what about you? You got to back him up. No, no, I'm going to check the, uh, the, other, the other side of the uh, argument here and say that, uh, look, I, you know, I think potentially, yeah, there's, there's an upside in the uranium spot price chart. But most of the, the real deals that are done in the uranium space are done on a contract basis between, you know, the, the, react, the people running the reactors, the companies running the reactors and, and the suppliers. So they tend to be done at, uh, you know, much lower levels or, or, you know, those prices are fairly opaque. The other thing about uranium supply is we've got a bunch of uh, mines uh, from previous producers or existing producers that are either mothball, mothballed or producing at much lower rates because of the depressed prices. Uh, Paladin's got one of them. So Langer Heinrich uh, expecting, they're expecting to come come back online potentially the next sort of 12 to 18 months as a result. The question will be whether, where where the iron, uh, iron ore, I keep saying iron ore, gosh, where the uranium price is going to be. And iron, we can bring iron ore in here because, you know, that spiked as well and it came back and maybe that's the future for uranium. I'll, I'll get to the point here. I'm, I'm concerned about uh, Paladin specifically, it's one. By the way, it's one we've tipped as a buy from 18 cents, and we did that in August last year. But and that was on the basis of the uh, of the uranium price ticking up, uh, and we had a valuation of 63 cents uh, based upon a, 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 coincidentally a $50, which is roughly where we are now. And then we uh, we went up to 112 uh, if it got mm. up to 70. So a representative year is 2011. Go back and look at uranium prices in 2011. And I think that's what we could see over the next sort of 12, 12 months. And that's how we pegged it. Coincidentally, the exact high on Paladin today was $1.12. Uh, so maybe that's what the market's looking at is, uh, is, is a continued rise in uranium prices. But here's the thing, that's factored into the price, I believe. So I think Paladin hit a high today based upon people tipping prices to, to go up further from here. And, and, and I think we're, that this move is probably done for the time being. I right. think if you're in it, I think take, take some profits. Okay. All right. Uh, Paul wants a view, Carl, on Quickstep Holdings. Um, I'd never come across this company before. So, uh, Paul, thanks for pointing it out. They're in, uh, um, they develop, manufacture composite solutions for aerospace defence um, as well. They... They sort of make decoy flares and things like that for the defence industry, which, uh, given today's uh, alliance announcement, is, um, is certainly newsworthy. Uh, what do you think of Quickstep, Carl? Look, it's it's a, it's a company, it's a business uh, that I really want to succeed because it's you know great Australian technology and manufacturing story. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think there's an investment case there for uh, for, for viewers. Uh, it's a very low margin business um, and, you know, the, the margins are about 10%. They have been falling. They have struggled with COVID in terms of, uh, you know, growing the business and, and, and just, just supply chain, uh, uh, you know, logistical uh, costs have been in- increasing significantly and just getting parts out and parts in. So yep. uh, that, that, that's been a problem. Um, uh, you know, the, the chart, it, it's a five cent stock and it was a 10 cent stock not that long ago. So it tells you that the trend is not really your friend on this one. I, I'm trying to find positives here. And I, I just can't. So as much as I want the business to, to succeed, I don't think viewers yep. can buy it at Good these point. these levels. Jason? Yeah, look, I'm 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 pretty much the same there. You know, the first thing I do when I when I get the you know the list of stocks that we're talking about on the call is I look at the charts and I look at the chart for this one and it was an instant you know no it, it's you know, it's trading at four and a half four and a half cents it's in a downtrend it's just not going to work it's um 
But then I look, I've actually looked at the company and it was, it's actually an interesting business. And it, like Carl said, I wanted to like it. You know, they, they, they do stuff with Lockheed Martin and Boeing. Like they create the, um, the, the wing flaps for the C-130 Hercules and yep. parts for the F-35 Strike Fighter. So as an aviation fanatic, you know, I love this sort of stuff. And I wanted to say, well, look, this would be a great buy. But it's, um, I think, think COVID's been somewhat of an issue for them as well. It's affected some of the some of the work they do, and they're saying they're going to have all these great opportunities after the COVID era. But you know, who knows when that's going to be? It's um, so. Look, there could be something interesting there to, to watch for the future. Some of the management have been buying shares recently, relatively small parcels, but nonetheless buying. It's um, it's it's look, it's definitely a no for now. But okay. if you you know you're interested in the space, like you know, keep an eye on it and see how progresses over the months ahead. All right. Our fifth stock, Josh wants a view, uh, Jason, on Viva Leisure. Josh says, love to hear the panel's view, in particular the fundamentals of the company. I understand it's in a downtrend, probably due to the Sydney lockdowns, but are the fundamentals there for a turnaround when the economy reopens, people get back to gyms? Could this follow the same reopening trajectory of, say, event hospitality or ardent leisure? Now, Viva... Uh, runs um, um, a whole string of big box fitness facilities, gyms and and boutique ones as well. Uh, They have 40 health clubs across ACT and New South Wales. Jason, what do you think of uh, Viva? Yeah, look, I think there's there's definitely a reopening story there. And just like cinemas and and, and airlines, gyms have been at the forefront of the disruption. And uh, look, I think think people are going to be you know, keen to get back to the gym. Like they've probably found, you know, changed their routine and found alternatives over the last over the last last bit of time. But I think you know the social pull of actually getting to the gym and you know being around other people is going to be good. So I don't I think the gym gyms are going to come come back and come back well. It's like you know whether Beaver's uh, the play. That's uh, you know the next question. And um, look, they've been on a, on a on a big growth drive over the last last few years. Revenue's gone from 7.6 million in 2018 to around um, it's around 83 million last year. Mm. It sounds sounds like there's these massive gains, and there are, but there's because been you know buying a whole lot of gyms, they've really been expanding the network, and uh, but it's yet to translate into a lot of profitability. So they only had um, you know 900 thousand dollars of net profit after tax last financial year. Of course, it's impacted by COVID, but you know gyms haven't been shut for the last last year. Um, the chart was starting to look. You know, it's starting to look interesting. It had this, um, you know, strong move higher a few few days ago. That was on the back of talk of um, reopening in, in regional New South Wales. Um, didn't have a huge amount of volume pushing it, which makes me a little bit, you know, a little bit sceptical about like um, how how, you know, viable this this move is. I'd like to watch it here. I'd like to see it, you know, consolidate those gains, maybe move sideways or pull back slightly over the next few weeks, and then if it broke yep. up again. Then I'd say, well, look, okay, maybe this is worth a run. But for right. now, I'd um, look, I'd, I'd I'd keep watching. I'd watch it with interest, but but it's not a buy for me at the moment. Okay, Carl. Yeah, look, it's a very interesting uh, company. It's certainly leveraged to this reopening trade. Uh, I think it can do well when things get get back to normal because it was doing so well before we went into these lockdowns. Now, look, there's a very good chance that, you know, going. They will, they will go from uh, you know, regular profits to a loss 
this year as a result of what's happened. But if you look forward, I think yeah, they can bounce back uh, very strongly. So look, I, I'm with Jason in terms of the technicals. I like the, the stock on the fundamental on the fundamental basis. Um, our value, valuation is way higher. So I've got a fair value target of $2.81, which allows for about 30% upside from current prices. The rest of the brokers are at about 274 so we're not far off them. Um, I think if it pulls back, as Jason said, and then makes that higher low, we talked about that with the Telstra chart, um, that would be the time to get into it. So I, I wish I could give it a buy for the portfolio today, but it'll be a, a, a buy on notice for this okay. one. All right, let's uh, just recap the first five stocks. Uh, stock of the day, uh, Telstra, um, on the back of their Investor Day announcements today, a yes from both uh, Carl and Jason, GWR, a no, Brambles a no. Paladin, um, if you're there for the long term, you're a uranium believer. Uh, a yes from Jason, no from Carl. Quick step a no. Viva Leisure a no. Um, here at the call, we've been following our own fantasy portfolio um, since the 1st of July last year, thanks to our partner NAB Trade. Uh, any stock that gets uh, two thumbs up from the expert panel, like, like Telstra, uh, has today, it's already in the portfolio, it stays in the portfolio because of uh, today's judgment. Um, uh, let's see how we've returned. Uh, we're going down a percent for the week, up half a percent for the month, up four and a half percent since the 1st of July this year. Uh, since inception, up 41%. Some of the stocks uh, that have been included recently. Um, Adairs, Cluey, PWR Holdings, Resimac and Deterra Royalties. Uh, some of the stocks removed, Medical Developments, Rio, Rays and Energy One. You can see all the stocks in the calls portfolio. Head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. All right, um, our sixth stock, Zara, wants a view on Neo Metals. Uh, Zara says share price jump earlier this month. Uh, when is it the right time to buy? It's been pretty uh, stellar performer over the last 12 months and um, so far year to date this year as well. Um, it's a, in the lithium business, so it's a lithium battery recycling. Uh, it's got a couple of lithium uh, projects and a hydroxide refinery project as well. Uh, Carl, what do you think of uh, Neo Metals? I like Neo Metals, Koshi. Uh, it was my life-changing stock. That's uh, right, I remember ago. that. Yeah, and uh, it was a bit lower back then. It was sort of uh, on, an on an adjusted basis because they had a capital return. It was just under 50 cents. Uh, it's now pushing towards a dollar, which is fantastic for, for, you, for viewers that managed to get on board. Um, it's a very, you know, it's, it's one of those blue sky companies. So no earnings at this point in time. So you're not going to be able to do a, you know, a, a discounted cash loan, get a valuation. But it's it's one of those things that you, you have a risk allocation within your portfolio towards, I think, because the the... The upside is so, is so massive in terms of recycling these EV batteries. So uh, we can talk about, um, you know, and I, and I won't, but you know, we can talk about the huge, uh, you know, exponential growth in EV batteries that are going to occur in the future. And then we can draw that back to, well, you need minerals uh, and we can talk about lithium stocks. And, and I'm, I'm a bit bored with that side of it, Koshi. I want to go to the other side where when these batteries are spent, they need to be recycled. And these aren't little, uh, you know, batteries that you have in your car currently. These are 300 kilogram batteries wow. full of both nasty stuff and good stuff. And you want to get rid of the nasty stuff and you want to keep the good stuff uh, and you can recover about 80% of the materials. Uh, oh. And these guys have a process for doing that. Uh, we've got a plant up and running in Germany at the moment. It can take 50 tonnes per day, but they're licensed to do uh, one 
uh, uh, was it uh, one tonne a day on a trial basis. We're, we're advanced with that. So we've gone from sort of shredding the batteries and sorting to now uh, starting to process some of these things. And the third stage will be refining. So the market's getting excited because we, we keep ticking the boxes in terms of getting to this point where we can do yeah, it. Um, and, 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 and the market's going to be huge for it. So, yeah, look, um, it has had a fantastic run, Koshi, as I said, from uh, sort of, you know, low 50s to... Uh, nearly a dollar in, 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 in around a couple of months. But I still think that you can buy this one on pullbacks. It's had a big pop today, about up about 10%. I'm not saying you go chase it today, but when it does settle back, uh, you know, try and buy those little, little pullbacks. So what, what's a good fine. pullback level? Uh, let me give you a, a, a price right now. So um, it, it, it got to just under a dollar. And I think if it gets around to sort of 85 to 90, that would be the zone to, to pick right. it up. I've been tweeting tweeting about this for the last two weeks, trying to get people to uh, to, to pay attention to it. Um, so maybe follow me as well. And there's a plug for, for follow me on Twitter. But it's one I follow very closely and I do, I do um, okay. cover it a lot. And of, of course, if you uh, bought it at low 50 cents when you talked about it as your stock that could change your life, Keep holding. <laughs> yes. Uh, Jason, what do you think of uh, Neo? Yeah, look, I, I really like this um, electrif electrification theme and in, in general, like all things lithium and batteries. And, you know, this decarbonisation juggernaut, it's, you know, it's only gaining momentum. And I think it's going to create all sorts of opportunities over the, you know, over the, over the, over the decade or so ahead. And, and stocks like um, Neo Metals is so, certainly in that, that space and certainly one of the opportunities. But, you know, the, like, but here, but here's the thing, like, I'm, I'm thinking this is going to, like, well, it is, it's going to play out over, like, you know, over a decade or more. And, you know, the problem we get is we um, often get, get focused on an idea and everyone gets excited and everyone wants to buy at the same time and, and really, really, like, shunts the price aggressively just like we've seen seen in uranium in the last week and we've been seeing in in um in a lot of these these um lithium players so look it's um it's a case of when everyone gets excited at the same time you often find that you're nearing some sort of a mean mean reverting correction sort of period just like we did with gold this time last year and copper and iron ore in may you know even bitcoin at fifty thousand. so you know lithium's running running hot at the moment and uh, yeah, that, that's my that's my concern around getting in at, at current levels. And um, look, I've got a few of these myself. The trend is still up, but from an entry standpoint, it's like you know I, I do struggle with it a little bit. It's not um, you know the the potential upside over the next few months versus the downside volatility. It's you know it, it starts to become you know, not a not a clear cut buy. It's uh, look like I said with Paladin. If you look at this in maybe you know, a year or two or three years' time, you might look at these current levels and go, look, that, that was cheap. And so on that basis, you know, it's, it's one of those ones. As a, as a small part of a portfolio, at these levels, yeah, I couldn't aggressively buy it by any means. But if you didn't have anything and you go, well, look, this is a big story. I've got to have something. I've got to have something on board because this could be massive in years to come. You know, I'd, I'd close my eyes. I'd strap in. I'd buy a small portion. Um, so if it comes back, it's not a big deal. But if it goes on to to amazing yep. things in the future, well, you know, it can still be meaningful. But it's you know, it's just like I prefer the idea of waiting for a pullback and and then then getting yep. in as it starts to run again. But what if it doesn't pull back? What if it what if it doubles again? And you you know you just you then sometimes you never get in again. The same thing with with sure. uranium. If things run and you're waiting for pullbacks. People have been waiting for a pullback in the stock market for the last 12 months, and uh, it's just kept going up. Yep. So waiting for pullbacks can be a dicey game. Sometimes you've just got to get in somewhere. Yep. It's not about you know 
you know, if you get in, it's like you just got to okay. get in somewhere. All right, Jason, so, would, you, would you get in now or not? I'd, I'd, I'd put toe in the water. Okay. Toe in the water now, and then you see what happens later on and whether you can increase your position later on. All right, okay. All right, uh, uh, Tomo wants a view, uh, Jason, on IOU. It's um, a fintech, um, um, basically a, a quasi buy now, pay later group. Uh, he says uh, a buy now, pay later focusing on Southeast Asian region, which differentiates it from some of the other Australian ones. On the charts, they appear to be turning around, breaking the 30 cent mark. Uh, keen to hear your thoughts. Uh, Jason, start with you, Tomo obviously follows Carl as well and is uh, uh, specifically says, uh, uh, can you put this question when Carl from Think Markets is on the panel? <laughs> so it's good to have your own tribe. Uh, Jason, let's kick it off with you. Yeah, well, I'll address Carl's fan first then. It's, um, look, it's, uh, look, this is looking, this is looking really interesting on the, on the charts. Uh, when, as Tomo said, it was breaking above 30. It was look, staying to look quite interesting. And, uh, so, so it broke above above 30, and then the company made an announcement that made a, made an acquisition that bought 42% of a of a Malaysian finance company, and uh, so what happened on the back of that announcement? The shares gapped higher; they gapped 16% higher on the open, and then on that same day, the you know the, the volume started coming in, but rather than push the stock even higher, it started to come lower. So it closed the day down 3%. Wow. So. For me, that's not a good sign. It's not a good sign when you get news and the market, you know, it, volume selling into into that into that um, that price rise. So for me, it's um, like it doesn't show up on this this chart because you need to have the daily bar chart to see the um, see this uh, you know see this move unfolding. So look, yeah. for me, that's done a bit of technical damage. I think the bullish case is probably off the table for now. Uh, maybe the you know the shares are going to consolidate around here, move sideways a bit, and then maybe have another go at moving higher. But you know who knows? Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it continues to to drift off. So you know with that sort of price action going on, um, look, I'd prefer to just just you know leave this okay. one for now. You know, watch it, but I don't think it's a buy today. Yep, uh, Carl, what's a, what are the charts speaking to you of? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, hello, Tomo. Thanks for for following. Uh, look, I I think. There's, a, there's, yeah, look, I agree with what Jason said. I'm concerned that, uh, look, it had a pulse and it was starting to turn around. And normally that would indicate that this, those, that supply demand dynamic of where it was in that sort of medium term downtrend maybe has potentially changed. And, you know, you want to see stocks go up on good news and hold those gains. And this one really just, just flamed out on that day. And it's had some very consistent down days since then. So that would... That would indicate to me that there are well there is a significant amount of latent supply in the system. So this is supply that's waiting to get out in higher prices. Uh, we should see uh, you know less supply as the as the stock goes up because people are believing the story, not more supply. We should see more demand, not less demand, uh, and, and we're not seeing it here. So look, the, the chart is telling me that you need to be very very cautious. When I looked at the company on a fundamental basis, and, and I'll quote my notes here, uh, this one feels like a giant ball of fluff. It seems like uh, a lot of um, hype, 
in terms of them moving right. into the BNPL space. Uh, I think it was an opportunistic move, um, uh, pivoting from a business which, let's face it, has been going for many, many years and has been uh, has struggled a great deal to be profitable. Um, so I, I don't think there's a lot going on in this. And I think if if Afterpay or Zip or Klarna or PayPal wanted to move into Malaysia, uh, they certainly would do that and they would certainly dominate that space compared to these guys. They've added a bunch of merchants. Uh, they've added a few um, customers, but interestingly, there are almost more merchants than there are customers. So it's yeah. telling me there's not a huge de- huge demand there. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Carl, Trish wants a view on um, on CIMIC, the uh, uh, the engineering um, engineering group. Uh, just have got a um, um, secured a couple of uh, oil and gas contract extensions as well. Um, basically. Uh, um, an engineering company, global engineering company, focusing in that building and, and resources area, is it? Look, it is, yeah. Um, so construction, uh, infrastructure, yep. so building the infrastructure, maintaining the infrastructure, servicing the infrastructure, and in the resources sector as well. So there's some pretty um, good places, they're pretty good places to be at the moment. And, you know, the business has gone through a, a tough period where they really try to um, tighten things up. And I think they've got a really good sort of um, focus now on what they're doing. Um, they've, they've offloaded a bunch of non-performing assets. And uh, I think, you know, dare I say, this is probably a, a starting to be, be a pretty good point to get into to CIMIC. Um, the chart is not really saying that, though. So the fundamentals and the technicals are diverging a little bit here. Um, it was starting to look good around that sort of May-June period, and it's just flattened off again. So until the chart picks up, I don't think I want to uh, commit on, on what I see as, as, as an improving uh, fundamental picture and, and, and a reasonably attractive valuation around here. So it's, okay. a, it's a pass for now. So is, is, is that what you do when you, you make your assessment? You take a look at the fundamentals and then you double check with the charts or do you do it in reverse? I, well, I like to actually start with charts because, Koshi, I've got a, I, I can program a scan and I can get through the entire list of 2,500 ASX stocks in about three minutes and, and it'll tell me what I need to then focus on from a fundamental perspective. Ah. If I did it the other way and looked at 2,500 fundamental, um, you know, pro- prospects, I'd never be able to finish. So I start with the chart. The chart tells me what the market likes, and then I go investigate why the market likes it. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Jason, what do you think of CIMIC? Yeah, yeah, no, I just love how Carl just summed that up then about using the charts. Like, you know, the momentum is like opportunities calling card. It sort of like zeroes your attention in on on what's what's interesting. And when you look behind that momentum, that's when you can find some of the, the great fundamental stories. As, as Carl said, if you do it the other way around, like, you know, you'd be, you'd be working for a long time getting through yeah, those 2,000 yeah. odd stocks. Good point. But, um, yeah, look, 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 Simic, it's, uh, look, it's been such a disappointing stock over the last last three years, down 60% or so from its 2019, or from its highs about, yeah, yeah, sometime in mid-2019. And uh, you look at the All Ordinaries over the same time, all the All Ordinaries at new all-time highs. Um but look, you know, the, the, these sort of stocks can often attract sort of the attention of people who are looking for these down and out sort of recovery plays, these turnaround stories. And look, this kind of does sort of like like tick some of those those boxes. You know, they've had some been announcing some some good contract wins of, you know, in, in over the last last month or so. They got the Warringah Freeway in Sydney that's worth a billion dollars and um, um, uh, uh, what is it, Auckland Rail for $600 million and, you know, you know various other other contracts. 
And uh, look, so the, some interesting things happening there. Value, valuation doesn't look demanding. Yield of five percent. It's um, look, it's very much, very much out of favour still. And I think this is where you can sort of like build those bullish turnaround stories when a lot of people are sort of like, you know, they've, they've oh, yeah. written it off, dismissed it as a perennial underperformer. But some of these perennial underperformers really do become good and they, you know, become popular again. But look, Carl, Carl said it with the with the charts. I think that's the key to watch now. So you've got some got a bit of a potential story you can a framework you can build around it. But now you want the confirmation to come through on the charts. For me, I'd be looking at maybe $22 as a there's a bit of resistance around there. The share price got up there a few weeks ago and now has you know rebounded or you know reacted down lower from there. And uh, look, if we break, if you're into this sort of stock and you want to tr- sort of have a go to a recovery play, I'd say wait for a break of $22. You know, maybe a close at 22.10, 22.20 might be might be the signal you need, and uh, and play it that way. But if unless we get there, just you know, maybe it's just going to drift sideways or lower, and just yeah. do nothing exciting for another 12 months. So just bide your time, watch it. Could be something on the go, but not just yet. Okay, because as you say, they've had some big announcements the last month or two. Share price hasn't moved, uh, so you need that momentum. Uh, Dylan, yeah, I always, Jason- I always just remember. I always just remember back to the old um, Pacific Dunlop Ansel, like during the 90s, everyone just hated that stock. And by the end, all the value players bought it all the way down. Everyone got burnt and then everyone gave up on it. And yep. then it became a, you know, a superstar stock for the next next five yep. years or so. Yep. So yep. You know, these big play. turnarounds do happen. Whether it happens in Simic, it's yet to be seen. But you, know, you can't so write something So you're saying Simic could be the new Ansel? You never know. <laughs> not a real forecast okay. by any means. It hasn't broken above 22, so it's not not, not there yet. All right. Uh, Dylan wants a view, Jason, on Australian vintage. Uh, Dylan says their McGuigan Zero product, their alcohol-free wine, is the number one seller in the UK, but throw in supply chain issues. Curious to what the experts think. Of course, uh, Australian vintage is the old McGuigan Wine, so it's um, one of our bigger wine uh, producers, McGuigan, Nepenthe, Barossa Valley, um, some of the, and one of the few wineries that didn't have massive exposure to China, their big markets were the UK and the US, so really haven't suffered from the trade war. Um, what do you think of Australian vintage, Jason? Yeah, look, I've had this one in my portfolio since November, and um, it's you know it's one of those ones I found through momentum because I wasn't wasn't you know looking in that space, but it just turned up in the momentum schemes and found its way into my portfolio. And you know, it's been in a in a really consistent uptrend. Revenue and profits have been increasing over the last last few years. Dividend of around three point two percent. They recently did a capital return to to shareholders. So look, it's all been all been tracking quite well. The strategy's been very much around what they call their their pillar brand, pillar brand portfolio. So as you were saying, that's McGuigan, Tempest, um, Nafian, Barossa Valley Wine Company, yep. and so these are their these are all premium brands, and they make up about 71% of the company's revenue. And so this has been a really successful approach for them. Like revenues up 12% over the in the last financial year to about 195 million, I think it was, and net operating net net operating profit after tax is up about 79% to about 20 million. So COVID's in there as part of the, you know, part of the, you know, the boost to, you know, the, you know, the, you know, the liquor sector in general. But management's also saying that, you know, the, the this big jump in profitability is all part of partly due to their, you know, this this um uh, longer term strategies have had all staying to pay off. 
Mm. So it, and it's interesting that Asia only makes up a small portion of their of their sales. Yep. So m- much of it's Australia, America, and UK. So the company says that they're they're resetting for for Asian growth. And so this is potentially um, uh, you know a big and largely untapped growth driver for the company over the you know maybe over the next next two three four years. Um, look, I think it's a well-run company. They're innovative. Um, they're trying new things like this McGuigan Zero, like the non-alcoholic yep. um, areas. Are you quite at popular. these levels? It's, um, yeah, look, the, the, the trend's up. It's in a clear uptrend. Um, I'm comfortable letting my own position run. So, look, on that basis, I'm happy to, if, if someone was interested in this sort of stock, yeah, you could buy at these levels and buy into the uptrend and because uh, it does have that potential growth area there. Yeah, look, it's, okay. uh, it'd be a buy for me. Um, Carl, what do you think of uh, Australian Vintage, uh, new chief executive in the last 18 months or so, certainly turned the management around? Yeah, no, he's, he's doing a great job. And it's very, very simple and very clear and a very focused strategy that they have. And we're seeing the results of that now. So, look, I, I, I'm with Jason. I like it. We ran it as a uh, one of our key stocks with dividends and growth. Coincidentally, back in December last year, it's funny, uh, Jason's strategy, my strategy, I think we're very closely aligned in yep. finding those momentum plays. Uh, so he said November, I said December when it came up for us. So, uh, look, it, it's, a, it's a slow burn. So, it's, again, Koshi, it's about finding the right stock for the right person. Uh, if you want something like Neo Mental, Neo Metals, Blue Sky, Potential, Amazing, Double, Triple, Quadruple, this is not it. This is a slow burn. It, it's well valued. It's got a good yield. Uh, we see some some room in the in the fair value target. We've got it around about a dollar thirteen as our target, um, but we, we look twelve to eighteen months out. So I, I think it you know it's it's a good it's going to be a good performer in a longer term self managed super fund, and I'm still happy to buy here. Okay, all right. Uh, and our final stock, uh, Carl. Uh, we'll need to whip through this one a bit. Altium, mm-hmm. the uh, the uh, the big electronic design software provider, uh, best owned for Altium Designer and the Altium 365 platform. City uh, positive on the company. They've got a buy rating and $35.40 price target. Um, what do you think of Altium? Mm, I've got a fair value target of $40.30, which uh, reflects the, the potential in this business. And it, it's a very polarizing uh, business because yes. some people absolutely love it and some people hate it. Um, I, I love it. I'm just not sure if I want to buy it right now. Uh, I could right. spend an, an hour talking to you about Altium, but I'm going to make it very, very quick. Um, there's, it's got a great product. Uh, I mean, it's a niche product, but they are the clear leader in that niche. They've got massive, massive plans, Koshi, to, to grow this business and really transform this into the, 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 the go-to in the space. I mean, you won't want to go anywhere else if they can pull this off. But with that comes uh, risk. So I love the fact that management have these great aspirations, but uh, with that comes comes risk. And uh, look, it, it would be a, a speculative buy for me, but again, take a really, really long-term view. The chart is is 50-50. So, um, you know, look, let me say it's a, it's a business I, I follow closely, I'm really interested in, but until I see the right setup on the chart, I'm, I'm probably just a pass. For now, if you're a really long-term buy and you've got it, or if you look, if you're long-term, if you've got a long-term view and you're a holder, hang on to it. Yep. Um, Jason? Yeah, look, it has a, has a really interesting technical pattern and it's been forming since the, uh, the, those all-time highs back in February 2020. It's really clearly defined. You can't see it on the daily chart. You've got to look at the weekly chart to, to spot it, but it's a, it's a large contracting trading range. And these are really interesting because as the, the, the price starts to coil up as you're moving into, into the contracting range, it's sort of like 
like builds up the energy for the uh, for the for the break out of that range, whether it be to the top side or the or the downside. So the top of this top of this range currently comes in around thirty seven dollars, which is not too far from where we where we currently are. So for good measure, I'd I'd say if it got to thirty eight thirty, I'd I'd call it a buy. I'd mm. um, look, it's got a PE of eighty, and so that's all pretty scary. But you know, it's like I'd be guided by the price action. And when these big ranges break, you do get big moves. So look, I couldn't couldn't rule out like a you know really good move higher from this stock. But rather than buying it just below, like look, maybe it doesn't break higher. Maybe it drifts back to the middle of the range around 30, or even right. to the lower end of the range around 25. So for the sake of a couple of dollars, I'd wait and I'd buy into the strength. I'd buy into okay. the break. And uh, yeah, there, there, there could be an opportunity, but but not today. Fascinating hour here on the call. Um, uh, all thanks to uh, to Jason McIntosh from uh, Motion Trader and uh, also Carl Kapalinga from Think Markets. Been great, guys. Catch you up. Fantastic discussions and analysis. Love picking your brain. Uh, enjoy the rest of the week. You too. Thanks, thanks Carl. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Josh. Great, aren't they? Those two. Um, really clear direction. I love that mixture of fundamentals and, and the technical analysis with the charts. Um, let's recap the final five stocks. NEO is, is a buy from, uh, uh, from Jason. Um, it was Carl's sort of stock to change your life when we talked to him about it uh, back, in, uh, back in July at 50 cents. So it's now almost a dollar. He's saying if it's pulled back to 80 to 85 cents, he'd be getting in there. IOU a no, a Simic a no. Stradium Vintage, a yes from both of them. It goes into the calls portfolio. Altium, a hold from Carl, a no from Jason. Uh, if you'd like us to take a look at any stocks, uh, put them to our expert panel. Email the call at osbiz.com.au. Put them in there or uh, tweet us using the at TV handle. All the uh, stocks in the calls fantasy portfolio, you can see all of those, osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Telstra stays in there, Australian Vintage goes in as a result of today. Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 